So we are recording. Um, a little bit light on, on attendees this evening. Like I said, I think that's a byproduct of um, the development committee meeting going on concurrently. Um, but we'll go ahead and plunge ahead. Um, we are recording. We will, um, we do have a number of folks who watch the recording later. So um, just want to give you a heads up on that. So thanks for everyone for coming. This is September. Um, a few ground rules for the meeting. Uh, all participants are on mute. You may unmute yourself for Q&A or type it in the chat box. Um, and just as an in-person meeting, please be respectful of your fellow neighbors and guests. Our agenda for this evening, uh, we're gonna run through announcements here. Uh, we'll have our treasurer's report from Steve. Uh, then, you know, the focus of the evening is really around uh, crime, crime and safety is kind of how we're, we're dubbing it. Um, so we have the various organizations that participate in um, that in, from our neighborhood. Uh, we recognize that this is specifically uh, around those organizations. Obviously we're not addressing some of the maybe more fundamental causes of, of crime and other questions of that nature. So just wanna really focus on the organizations that help um, police and uh, monitor the neighborhood. Our announcements um, in our infrastructure committee meeting is on the 24th, and that is at, I believe, six o'clock. I did post the Zoom link in the chat. So if anybody is interested in attending that public meeting, you're more than welcome to do so. And by um, the Brickline Greenway is requesting feedback for some of the uh, plans that they have. Again, that is in the chat. Uh, that survey, there's a survey monkey. So if you would like to, please, we encourage you to take that, that survey. Um, let me show you just for your reference. The area that they're talking about. So this is what we received. It's really Central West End, Metrolink East, um, the Station East, and Fairground Park. So they're just looking for feedback. Some of that kind of touches or is on the verge of our neighborhood. Um, and they're looking for any and all feedback. Moving on, um, census. So uh, please fill out your census forms if you haven't online uh, or you should have received a mailer. Either way, census, census, census. Very important, make sure we receive the funding we uh, deserve as a neighborhood and as a city. Uh, lastly, I want to throw out that we will have nominations for the board happening in October. So if you or somebody you're interested in, uh, or you or someone you know are interested in running for the board, please uh, let us know, uh, join the October meeting. Um, then votes will happen in November. Any other updates, questions about those? Okay, moving on. I'll turn it over to Steve for a treasurer's report. All right, um, you'll see the uh, treasurer's report has been updated for August. Um, there was no activity during the month of August, so same balance as the end of July. Um, also, um, as an added control feature, um, we're gonna start including the bank statement 
um, so that you can see that the, the total on the treasurer's report agrees to the uh, total on the bank statement. And that's my update. Which I, I threw that up here, Steve, just on the second slide for the right. treasurer's report. Any questions about the treasurer's report? Okay, moving right along. Um, infrastructure committee report, I am your liaison. Um, there is no update uh, from, we didn't have a meeting this past month. We will again have that meeting on the 24th. Um, I do believe there's been some activity around the basketball court in Shoto Park. Steve, was that you that said you, you saw some of the folks in the bid process? Um, yes, uh, I saw a group of uh, gentlemen meeting in the park. Um, being the nosy neighbor that I am, I pulled over and asked them uh, if this was related to the basketball park, and they indicated yes, it was. And I asked them what their intention was, and they said it was a pre-bid meeting. So I was pleased to hear that. Fantastic. All right. If there are no questions about the infrastructure committee, we will move right along. So we're going to kick this off with uh, Officer Slade. Really quick, I want to run through. Um, there were a few questions. If you all can see this. These are the questions we asked each organization to address. Um, so what are your obligations to Forest Park Southeast or your sponsoring neighborhood? What steps are being taken to address crime in the neighborhood? How can residents access reports? Um, how do you integrate with the St. Louis, Missouri Police Department? And then, you know, last, obviously, residents in the community have a stake in this. How can we um, help crime and So, Officer Slade, I'll throw it over to you if you'd like to uh, give us an update. Hi, folks. Um, hope everybody's well. Um, a few updates here on some things that have happened in the neighborhood probably in the last month or two. Uh, the two shootings down in the Grove, the one at the Tiki Bar and then the one outside of Ember. Um, as of right now, we have photos of the vehicle and a subject firing at, at the bar at um, Ember. The shooting incident at the Tiki Lounge, also there's, uh, there's footage of that. Um, I haven't seen that per, uh, exactly, however. The, the victim is being interviewed uh, several times by detectives and uh, there's a person of interest that has been uh, uh, found. So I'm waiting to hear on that. Uh, Besides that, a nice arrest was made by our burglary crew at the uh, the Chroma building. I mentioned this to the CID uh, meeting the other day. Um, several vehicles used in transporting a lot of their material was uh, it was seized and towed. Uh, individual was arrested. Um, that happened also back in July. As far as the crimes that are 
occurring off of into the neighborhoods. We're seeing a lot of car break-ins. We're also seeing a lot of catalytic converter uh, thefts. Uh, I believe I counted three in the last uh, probably two weeks north of Manchester, um, Gibson, I believe one on Wichita, I think one on Shoto also. Um, that's really about all that's going on. The, um, the captain has been putting out extra cars, overtime cars for neighborhoods that are, uh, are seeing an acute increase in, in certain crimes. Um, Forest Park Southeast had gotten uh, some hours of that overtime relative to uh, shots fired calls that I know had occurred earlier in the summer and, and uh, fortunately seems to have died down. I've, I've, I've run those numbers and uh, not so many there, but some incidents uh, over on Norfolk, some domestic disturbances and stuff, uh, those kind of calls uh, will probably have uh, an overtime car uh, devoted for high visibility. Those are kind of thrown at, at piecemeal as far as we have the manpower. So, and that's determined by the, the captain and where she deploys them. Um, but if there's any other questions right now, that's about all I have today. I think just uh, if, if I may, um, so as we reach the, I guess the 2019 uh, murder total, homicide total in September, you know, is do, you know, do we have any um, specifics on what's driving that this year versus last? I mean, you know, I'm sure there are lots of factors and, and kind of what some of the steps are. I think fortunately, I, I believe we've been spared as a neighborhood from any homicides yet this this year. yes but so just kind of interested in, in your take on that well um the violence downtown is incredible i mean when the news and everybody is that's that's not being glossed over and the manpower that the department puts at it it's they are they're very busy downtown and near north side. Um, I'm not sure if all of the homicides that have occurred in that part of the city are, are related to that type of uh, activity. That's probably for someone a lot more educated, so socioeconomic and educational uh, uh, areas. But the gunplay, the 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 assaults with uh, firearms is is up citywide, uh, countywide also. Um, yeah, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough one to 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 rein in. I think I, I think I hope that it ceases and that you know our numbers are are not any higher, but. 
it's September each weekend. Um, officers are going down there to fill extra cars and to uh, show up, you know, a, a big view of force in that, you know, there's more police officers down there, but a lot of times that really, that doesn't make, make much of the difference. Any other questions? All right, appreciate it, Officer Slade. Mm -hmm. um, next up, we want to turn it over to uh, Tom Bolt, the SID security representative. Hey, good evening, how are you? Um, I have a list good of questions uh, that you had asked us to uh, respond to, so I'll go through those, and if there are any more questions, I'm happy to, to answer them. Um, your first question had to do with what our security uh, patrols obligations were in the Grove SID and to the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood at large. Their, their primary responsibility really is to the Grove SID. Um, that that um, outline, as you know, is basically runs the uh, length of Manchester from Kings Highway to Vandeventer with some sort of outline um, areas as well. And so their responsibility is to patrol those areas at the times that we um, mutually agree on, um, on the days that we mutually agree on. And those days and times vary and fluctuate. We try to keep them staggered so that we don't develop any kind of pattern. But for the most part, um, they're almost exclusively in the evenings. Um, now when bars and restaurants are closed at 11 p.m., they're typically running until uh, 11.30 to 1, uh, 1 a.m. at the latest. When things open up again, we expect those um, times to change a little bit. But for now, um, that's, that's basically their schedule. Um, <clears throat> your next question had to do with what, with what steps are being taken to address crime in the neighborhood. We, we meet as a committee and as a board um, each month. Uh, at our monthly meetings, we also have obviously our uh, patrol provider. Uh, Officer Slade is typically there from the police department or a representative of the police department is there. Um, and obviously our, our board members. And so we review the information, some of which uh, you've received this evening um, as well as information that's provided by WashU um, Medical Center. I, have, you, have you all seen those monthly reports? We, I, if they're the same ones we typically receive, um, then yes, yeah. We do receive yeah, reports. Okay. Yes, is that the same one, do you know? <clears throat> okay. okay. And so uh, your next question had to do with what residents what access do residents have from our everything that we do in terms of our meetings um, is all published. It's all a matter of public records. So you have access to that by simply going on our website. If you don't see what you're looking for there, you can simply give uh, someone that uh, Forest Park Southeast, uh, or I mean Park Central, excuse me, a call and they can make sure that you have whatever you need that, that we review and, and cover on a monthly basis. Um, your question, you had a question there regarding how do we integrate with the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. We, we do that 
um, when we have a significant incident, similar to the ones that Officer Slade brought up uh, tonight, um, we have an open dialogue with uh, both Officer Slade, who's our, our sort of go-to representative, but we also are in direct, direct contact with the, uh, the captain, uh, Captain Marks with the second district. So we feel like we have great access. We get a good response whenever we have a question or, um, or have a need. They've been responsive to, um, in my mind, the investigations that they're conducting. Um, so we, we think we have a good relationship with them. In terms of what residents can do to help with crime and safety, I, you know, I can't answer that question. I don't live in the Grove. <clears throat> I, I think uh, you've got some people on your list this evening who are more involved with what happens in the neighborhood relative, relative to the, or as opposed to the Grove business district, which is really our, our main concern. We've certainly got residents in the Grove footprint and um, we're concerned about that as well, but we're not as well versed on what happens in a neighborhood outside of the Grove business district. So I, I don't know that I can answer that. Um, in terms of, I, I, I wrote a little note uh, about what neighbors or residents can do. And I, I would simply say that I, I would encourage neighbors um, to work with officers uh, when an incident occurs to be forthcoming in terms of providing them with information that they have. Um, we hear consistently that um, there are people that see things that aren't willing to bring them to the attention of the officer and that, that really serves no one. And so that'd be my only suggestion to the neighbors. What else can I do for you or help, help you uh, in terms of questions tonight? Uh, no questions from from me. Anybody from the community? Yes, <clears throat> sir. No. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for um, stopping by and giving us a little bit of a rundown and addressing some of those uh, concerns. Again, with the multiple organizations. It, sometimes gets a little murky on, on who's responsible for what, so it really does create uh, some clarity for us. Thank you. Uh, next up, we have uh, Jim White from Neighborhood Security Initiative. Um, Jim, if uh, you would like me to throw up your presentation. Sure, Vincent, thank you. Hey, thanks for having us here tonight. Um, I'll run through this quickly. Uh, this is just a good way for me to keep train of my thoughts here. Um, we'll go to the next slide. Uh, here's just a quick overview of our organization. Uh, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Uh, we primarily help taxing districts and neighborhood groups respond to crime and work at improving uh, safety through different types of strategies. Um, we do this. Um, through uh, the use of cameras, um, management of supplemental police patrols. Uh, we have a position in our office. Uh, she, Maddie, is a advocate for both the neighborhood and uh, victims of crime, so she goes to court. Um, we 
attend court hearings, and we have found that to be somewhat helpful um, in seeking favorable outcomes. Um, oftentimes, uh, our biggest uh, enemy is complacency and uh, not getting involved and um, uh, judges and uh, people in the courts appreciate it when people from the community show up and show interest in, in how these crimes impact uh, neighborhoods. So uh, we collaborate with residents and community organizations and the police. Uh, and our biggest uh, effort is placed on sharing of information and trying to get that information into the right hands. So uh, I'll talk about that in just a little bit. So we'll go to the next slide. Uh, I'll talk on this one about the Grove Camera Project. Uh, it was funded through WashU Medical Center's Community Redevelopment. Uh, there's about 66 uh, cameras that have been put up along Manchester from Kings Highway to, uh, we'll say, uh, Sarah. We picked seven locations along Manchester and um, we secured property owner agreements for us to put these cameras and our equipment uh, inside their building. Uh, the cameras um, are on the outsides of the building and we have inside recording equipment, modem, everything secured in a, uh, in a uh, metal cabinet somewhere in the building. And each of the sites are independent of one another and they all have a uh, charter or spectrum connection going to it. And that's how we pull video from there. And they record at the site. So. Um, if one site goes down, the rest of the sites are still recording. It is what we call a passive system. Nobody is actually uh, monitoring the cameras. Uh, we look at video when we are notified or come into information about in a, a criminal event. Uh, we generally require a police report number for us to do a video review. Um, for instance, if someone calls our office, uh, we just had a, an attorney call on behalf of a client, say her client told us her client was involved in an automobile accident. She gave us a complaint number of the incident and we were able to um, research it and pull the video and provide it to the attorney and her client for their case. So uh, that's just one example. Um, they are, the cameras are networked into the police department's real-time crime center which is down at 19th and Olive at police headquarters. Even there, uh, they're not monitored. Uh, I think there's over a thousand cameras that the police department has on their system there. So, but what it does do is if there is a call that comes out in the Grove or the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood, um, it does allow the uh, detectives down there at the Real-Time Crime Center to pull up cameras that might help uh, give the responding officers a bit of a heads up as they respond to the incident. Interestingly, uh, in preparing for the camera project in the Grove, there are, uh, we found out there's 40 plus cameras along Manchester um, that belong to MoDOT and uh, uh, they don't uh, share their video with uh, the police department or any other entities and uh, their cameras also are not being recorded. So, nor will they allow anybody to put any equipment on their uh, property. They're, and they own all the, you know, Manchester is a state uh, road. So, 
that's one of the reasons why we put our cameras on uh, buildings owned by property owners. So um, last year, roughly, we conducted over 40 reviews of video uh, involving uh, criminal events in the Grove. Those resulted in at least 10 arrests that we're aware of. Some of these investigations uh, result in outcomes that we're not aware of uh, or that we don't get uh, follow-up information from. But, uh, um, you know, these incidents include uh, rapes, assaults, robberies, and even shootings. So um, I know one incident that we reviewed uh, was a reported rape and Upon looking at the video, uh, I can tell you, I, and we don't know how the investigation concluded, but we can tell you from the information that we got, it certainly didn't uh, take place the way it was reported to police. And so that's, uh, that's important um, evidence. Uh, next slide, please. This is an example of how our cameras uh, helped in a, in a pretty serious incident. Uh, last year in June, uh, this guy, uh, Freddie Lee Doyle, left one of the bars down in the Grove uh, rehab after having some drinks. Uh, he went out to his truck and had uh, African-American gentlemen follow him. He pulled out an AR-15 uh, rifle. Uh, gentleman took off. He fired several shots at uh, three other African-American gentlemen that were standing uh, about 75 feet away. Interestingly enough, there was a police car right at the intersection around the corner and couldn't see it, but they could hear the gunshots. Um, and uh, they responded. And fortunately, after a quick investigation, we were able to take him into custody and there weren't uh, police officers killed during this either. Um, nobody was hurt. He was taken into custody. A large uh, amount of ammunition was found in his truck, and he was just recently, he pled guilty and was sentenced to more than four years in prison and in federal prison for his crime. So, and that was all based on the video evidence that we were able to hand off to the police department, who in turn handed it over to the U.S. Uh, US Attorney's Office for prosecution. So, next slide. Um, how do we, the NSI, integrate uh, with the police and what resources do we share? Uh, we work, um, and, and I feel bad, uh, Ed and I don't interact uh, very often. Uh, we exchange emails every now and then, but our primary point of contact is uh, the detective sergeant and, and their detectives. Um, we will get notified about a criminal event and uh, myself or Lyndon Cornell, who works in my office, uh, we'll download the uh, video and we'll make copies and we'll uh, get it to the detective bureau or they'll come out to our office and pick it up. Um, we also share, as I said, the video feed with the Real-Time Crime Center. And uh, what's interesting about that is, is we've got a much better feel about where our cameras are and direction of travel and, and things like that. So it, it's more of our backyard. Um, since we were part of putting and installing all the cameras with the um, camera integrator. So we know where our system, where our cameras are looking and uh, uh, we, we just uh, have a better feel for our system than the detectives do downtown. So uh, we generally, um, I'm uh, obsessed with PowerPoints. Uh, we put everything into a PowerPoint presentation just because that's, 
uh, seems to be a, a pretty good format. And then we download all our video onto disks or uh, thumb drives. And uh, we make plenty of copies for the investigators to keep on hand and enter into evidence. Uh, we also share on occasion a video uh, with the media and Crime Stoppers. Uh, uh, on occasion, we'll offer, uh, Crime Stoppers does offer money for rewards. Sometimes the NSI will offer uh, additional money uh, for rewards or taxing districts will do that uh, in an effort to solve some high profile crimes. Uh, we work with the police and the taxing district, um, uh, the SID in the past and staffing large events down in the Grove to make sure they don't impact the, um, the neighborhood um, too bad. And uh, uh, we also uh, have conducted site surveys for uh, both residential and commercial properties to you know, offer some suggestions on what can be done um, to better secure property and keep yourselves from becoming victims. So if that's something of use, let us know. Next slide. Uh, this is, and again, this is, I know this is being recorded and this is an active investigation. We prefer this not be shared publicly, but as Ed mentioned, this is just an example of a, a screen grab that we're able to get from a shooting that happened at Tiki um, on August 29th. Um, two guys in the neighborhood were arguing and um, uh, one pulls out a gun on the other and fires multiple shots at him. Uh, he hit his intended target, but he also hit several bystanders um, who were caught in the crossfire. And uh, uh, as Ed said, the detectives have developed a person of interest that's involved in that shooting. And uh, um, I think the intended target was uh, severely injured. Uh, uh, I heard he was paralyzed, but the, uh, the other unintended victims um, uh, received uh, not so serious injuries. So that was Good news. Next uh, slide. I've got a question here. Somebody's asking me, where does funding come from? Um, that's a good question. It comes from various sources and uh, most of it comes from participating taxing districts that support what we're doing uh, with cameras. And uh, I only have a staff of, uh, it's myself and three people that work in our office. so. We have taxing districts. We started out in the Central West End and uh, we have uh, expanded a bit uh, to include a taxing district in the Devolver Place neighborhood. And uh, uh, we have uh, other taxing districts that are in, interested in our uh, camera services as well. And so uh, we're looking at, at ways that we're, we can learn how to price that out and offer that service as well. Um, here, here's another example. Um, I was on Nextdoor and I get, uh, uh, you know, very good information a lot of times. Sometimes it's, it's not, but uh, a resident uh, uh, was talking about several attempts at their Honda element here uh, where thieves were trying to steal their catalytic converter and my Ears picked up because we've had several of these happening in the Central West End as well, and they've all been uh, uh, Honda elements. And so um, I asked the resident to forward the uh, information to me because uh, I'm interested in the car and the suspects that are involved in it, and I passed it on to the second district as well. And uh, 
I provide the information to the police department here, but also St. Louis County Police Department. And um, had an appointment today with Channel 2 to do a public service announcement because uh, these things are happening with such frequency uh, and they're, they're targeting Honda elements that it's important to get the information out there. Uh, the uh, reported didn't show up, we'll postpone maybe uh, tomorrow or Friday. So we'll see how that goes. Next slide. Uh, what can residents do to help with crime and safety? Um, a lot. Uh, uh, more and more every day, it seems like, because uh, police resources are just getting stretched. And uh, um, so uh, first thing is communicate with neighbors. Uh, that is huge. Um, I, I know you probably have heard it from Ed and from other, uh, other folks, but you got to talk and uh, got to get to know your neighbors. And there's a lot of platforms out there that you can do this. Next door, I have found uh, pretty helpful. Uh, Facebook groups. Uh, some streets use a Facebook email group. Um, other city officials have uh, ways to communicate, but uh, you got to stay in touch with city officials and city agencies and neighborhood groups um, uh, such as yourself and uh, communicate with them. Uh, police, uh, the NSI and TCF, and we'll provide those contacts here in a minute. So, uh, Information is important and sharing that is extremely important. And I think that's one of the things that the NSI uh, that we do is um, we scrub a lot of different things for information and we can put it in the hands of the right, uh, right people. So uh, that's what we try to do on a, on a daily basis. So, um, well, another thing that residents can do is invest in some simple home security products to keep yourselves from becoming victims. Um, these cameras that they have out nowadays have come down in price so much that, uh, it, you know, I, I put wise down these wise cameras. They're like 25 bucks or you can get a couple bundles of them at, at Home Depot. Uh, they're as simple. Um, I have one in my window here that looks out, you literally plug it into an outlet, you sync it to your uh, cell phone, and you can put as many of those onto the app um, as you want. You can talk through them. You can, some of them you can rotate. Uh, they're amazing. You can get alerts if, uh, if they detect motion, um, but they, it doesn't require any wiring or any uh, complicated um, uh, expertise that, uh, some of the other systems do, but Ring and Nest are very popular as well, but something and have them cover uh, important areas such as your front porch where UPS packages get dropped off, uh, garages which get uh, targeted uh, for uh, lawn equipment, and then uh, basement doors which get kicked in quite a bit. So um, I'd ask that everybody look out for one another. That's pretty common sense. And that, that goes back to communicating with neighbors and sharing information. But uh, there's ways to do that through holding events to encourage, you know, unity and having block parties, things like that. I also encourage people to report suspicious activity. I get a lot of calls every day from people and uh, in our office and on my cell phone. And the first thing we always ask is, have you called police? And a lot of people say no. And, and quite honestly, I get it. Um, I don't even like talking to 911 dispatchers and I'm a retired policeman. Uh, generally, I'll say more times than not, 
the uh, the conversations you have are uh, horrible with the 911 uh, dispatchers. And um, I try to understand that these uh, mostly women have 800,000 of these conversations every year with people. So uh, I'm trying to understand what they go through, but uh, it still has to be done. And there's other ways to do it. You can use the SLMPD mobile app. I use that. I'd like to see anybody else use it more than me, but um, uh, that's a way to, I like it because you can take pictures and attach pictures to it, especially for like derelict vehicles or graffiti or some other suspicious activity that you can share with the police department. Um, that's what I like about the mobile app. The mobile app will not get a response right away, but uh, it, it's a good way to uh, report things. And, uh, and I always say, don't expect anybody else to solve your problems uh, better than you can. So uh, take ownership and, uh, uh, I think that's probably the last slide, right, Vincent? Uh, yes. I think yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Rob Betts, who's the owner of TCF, and will speak here in a minute, you know, our organization oversees uh, patrols in the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood. Uh, and what that means is Rob schedules the patrols, our office vets the invoices. We look at the reports that his officers generate. We make sure that Rob and his officers are aware of any crime trends that we're tracking. Um, but you had mentioned something that you sent out about crime or uh, products or um, incident reports. Um, I'm not sure what sort of incident reports you guys would be in interested in, but you know, I get information uh, periodically and I, I certainly don't have a problem sharing it with uh, Vincent or uh, members of this group, if you could send me a list of emails and uh, I can blast stuff out to people. Uh, here, here's the problem. Uh, generally, first reports are always wrong. And I just tell you that I'm trying to manage expectations here. So uh, uh, another thing is I usually get my information from uh, channel two, four, and five, like everybody else. Um, so uh, I watch the news when I get up in the morning. I read the paper on my phone. Uh, I do things. Uh, I look at next door quite a bit to get information. But, you know, um, the police are not in the business of making sure that they're sharing information with everybody. That's just not something that they do. Other departments have more boutique departments can do that. The St. Louis Police Department uh, can't. But that's another thing that the NSI, uh, a role that we can fill is try to share information and follow up uh, with people is uh, when we come into information like that too, as long as we're not compromising any investigations or something. But I'll tell you what, I have found that residents know about stuff long before we do also, because it happens right there in your neighborhood and it usually ends up on next door and that's how we're finding out about it. But we work closely with Park Central Development and um, we hear things from um, Washington University Medical Center. We can share uh, information as, as we get it. As long as I got an email uh, group, I, I certainly don't mind sending things out. And crime data, crime information, you know, Ed shares crime reports about specific incidences, but the police department hangs their crime report about your specific neighborhood. I'm sure you guys are aware of that. They put that on their website every month. So uh, that's a way to track. I probably went over my time. So 
Are there any questions uh, to what I ran through rather quickly? Um, I have a was anybody else have a question? Okay. Well, I, I guess the first one is maybe a clarification. Um, you know, we do receive those those incident or you know crime reports from Officer Slade every month. Appreciate him sending those over. Uh, I guess the question really from um, the community was: Are there is there a different incident report? Uh, that the NSI handles or uh, than what we receive from Officer Slade? Or do those things, are those, uh, those do those end up conjoining at some point? You know, obviously we, we want uh, complete data. We don't want misinformation out there to the community. Um, so just, you know, if, if they are one and the same, I think that's okay. But if there's a separate incident report or ways of reporting incidents, I think that was the concern. Um, I, I think they're one and the same. We don't really put out a report, but if what, you know, I don't, Ed, how many neighborhoods are, are you responsible for in the second district? You're on mute. Oh, I'm sorry. Probably a lot. Uh, so in an effort to try and streamline and. Yeah, Jim, sorry. Yeah, I, I have five. Okay. So and, in an and, effort to kind of streamline things and make Ed's job a little easier. I mean, if uh, uh, that's another thing that we try to do is if, you know, push information out uh, on behalf of or in conjunction with kind of thing. So if anybody's got any, you know, sometimes Ed's not available. He's one guy, you know, if there's a question or something, shoot us an email and we'll try and get you the answer about something. Certainly that's what we hope. Okay. That's what we hope is an outcome of this meeting and future our future relationship as you learn to uh, rely on us also. So, okay. Um, I see that Steve has his hand up. Yes. Um, hey, Jim. It's Steve Chodas. Um, question for you is, uh, you know, in your description of the camera system, um, it sounds like you're you're at least in terms of Forest Park Southeast, your focus is on Manchester. Um, what would it take to, uh, um, you know, add cameras um, to the greater Forest Park Southeast area um, beyond just Manchester? Uh, money, that's it. <laughs> uh, I, and I, I, I say that rather tongue in cheek, but it's true. I mean, these camera systems are extremely expensive, but, um, you know, so they're expensive to put up, but they're expensive to maintain and keep going. Um, I, I'm trying to think we, we spend over a hundred dollars a site. We spend what about what? $18,000 a year, Tom, on uh, reoccurring charter connection fees every year. And, uh, uh, we have software maintenance agreements uh, in order to run the software on the camera systems maintenance, um, things like that. So um, we're working with Genetech, which is the software provider, and that's the software that the city uses also. They're uh, rolling out a program where business owners can actually uh, hang a camera on their business and it goes directly into the cloud and um, the business owner just pays a monthly fee for that and it's rather uh, streamlined and then they populate onto a map and they go right into uh, 
it would populate right onto uh, our system and the police department system too. So I'm waiting on some further information on that because that really seems like the way to go. Because um, there are a lot of businesses uh, that are interested in this sort of thing and uh, that want to participate. And it, it doesn't take um, a lot of capital to put a, one or two cameras up on your business. Now, as far as private residences go, that's a little different. We don't, uh, we haven't done that yet. Um, but we do rely on people that have, um, you know, their own cameras. Um, uh, that's part of our, uh, when we start mapping where our cameras are, we, we, we do map people's private cameras, at least point of contact that we can call somebody and let them know something happened and we like them to look at their cameras. But uh, it's really just um, funding and where do you get the funding? And a lot of the, you know, we deal with taxing districts and so they've created uh, an ordinance that defines a geographical area to collect a supplemental property tax for safety and security. And that's, that's generally how a lot of this is funded through a supplemental property tax or in SIDS cases, uh, you know, a, a sales tax uh, that pays for some of it. So, um, and I know uh, it's been a while maybe, but uh, years ago there was talk about a, a SBD or a special business district down in the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood. But, you know, I don't know where that stands. I, I don't get involved in those sort of things until down the road. So does that answer your question? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Jim, if I can piggyback on um, what you had mentioned, as far as funding, I didn't hear you mention a uh, Forest Park Southeast as a special taxing district here for funding. Um, do you have a, is there a separate source of funding to monitor those? Uh, Washington. Here we have in the Grove. Yeah, Washington University Medical Center has uh, some funds available uh, for that cost. Okay. Fortunately, okay. yeah. And they have a little bit of money left over from the original project. So uh, we might be scouting out some locations, uh, maybe one or two extra locations, one north, one south of Manchester, but not really enough to make a, a, a big dent in putting cameras up. We are trying to approach some commercial developments and asking them uh, to put up cameras. Uh, 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 it's surprising to me, though, uh, some of these expensive developments um, uh, that, that don't put up these camera systems. So, uh, But that's kind of a, a format that we're trying to do is approach some of these developments and ask them to contribute. So. Okay. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, I think we're going to jump over to... Um, Rob Betts, thank you, Jim. Really appreciate you coming by and kind of giving us a really thorough overview of what your organization does. Um, and I think it makes sense to jump over to, to Rob at this point, unless you have anything else you wanted to, uh, to say. That's it. Thank you for letting me share. All right. 
Thank you. All right, go ahead, uh, Rob, if I can turn it over to you, if, uh, address some of those questions, same questions that we had to the others. Sure, not a problem. Um, for just a quick introduction myself, my name is Rob Betts. I am the owner of the city's finest. Um, we go by the acronym, typically people know us by the acronym of TCF. Um, my company's been in business since 2007 and we've deployed resources, uh, police resources inside the Forest Park side, Forest Park Southeast neighborhood for that duration. Um, and we're in other taxing districts as well. Um, <clears throat> um, I was a former police officer and was assigned to this neighborhood uh, as a rookie until I left the area to uh, when I was assigned as a homicide detective in the city. So, um, um, so I know the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood very well. Um, I know um, um, a lot of the um, old, you know, per se troublemakers in the neighborhood that are now somewhat grown and, and not really troublemakers anymore. So that's nice to see the, uh, you know, the change. Um, and uh, so happy about that. But um, regarding uh, some of the questions that you that you asked in your email to me. Um, so what are the contractual obligations with Washington University? So Washington University uh, funds the neighborhood patrols that you have in your neighborhood. Um, so they, they, they provide us with the annual budget and our agreement is directly with them. Uh, um, and they, they, they've provided funding in your neighborhood uh, even before 2007. I, I don't know when they started doing patrols there, but. Uh, there was some lapse in time when they didn't do patrols and they started up back up in 2007 when they started funding uh, my patrols. And um, we patrol on uh, mountain bikes and uh, vehicles and foot patrols and then ATVs as well. So we have a variety of patrol tactics that we use in your neighborhood. Um, but our, our, again, our, our primary, uh, our obligations with, with our, our contractual obligations are with WashU. And basically they, they ask us to basically, uh, we just, we use the data that we have provide, provided through Jim's office, uh, data that we we uh, we mine as well with the uh, police department uh, sources that we have um, and other other avenues, and we, uh, we we kind of you know base our patrols and stuff off of those. And so Wash you Wash you again uh, uh, contracts with us, and we we uh, yeah, that's the agreement that we have with them. Um, our general patrol areas and and schedules. Um, we patrol the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood as a whole. We, 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 we patrol the neighborhood. So we stay, we, we obviously cross through Manchester and whatnot. Uh, but that, um, as Mr. Bolt ex explained, they have a taxing district that focuses on that. And so WashU, as always, we've always patrolled really primarily the residential neighborhood. So basically off of Manchester and into the residential areas. Um, that basically goes from obviously you know for or Kings Highway to to about Van Venter and uh, to 44 and and uh, well not 44 I'm sorry to Van uh, or Van Venter wraps around I apologize um, so so we, we patrol around there and we we patrol varying dates and times uh, there there's it's all really based on time of year um, we we typically will increase patrols in the summertime and warmer months. Uh, when the kids are out of school and whatnot. And then uh, we'll have some little spikes around the holidays uh, where we see an increase usually in robberies. Um, but that we're, our patrols are, are rather random. Uh, we do some afternoon shifts, uh, evening shifts. And then uh, we 
typically we'll try to stagger our shifts based on the Grove patrols as well. Uh, you know, working with the Grove taxing districts and understand that what they're doing there, uh, we kind of will will model our patrols or you know work around their patrols. Uh, there's really no sense in having uh, overlapping shifts when when they're out. Um, it just it's it's not always necessary. It doesn't hurt, but in an effort to conserve funding, um, you know, we and, and use our funding appropriately, we try to work around the Grove patrols. Um, regarding how residents can access TCF crime reports. Um, so TCF, uh, right, ha our officers write reports um, uh, at the end of all their shifts, uh, but those re reports are kept confidential. Uh, those, are, those are done digitally and they're shared with our, with our clients, uh, but we don't typically share those publicly. If information is important that we feel needs to be shared with the public, Jim White's office, the NSI, has access to that and sometimes they'll they'll take it upon themselves or, or we'll just forward information to him saying hey you know nsi here's some information that you know may should should go out and then nsi typically makes that determination um uh, we 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 run a lot of our communication through jim white's office uh because he he oversees his office oversees us uh, from a standpoint of the, the, some of the administrative stuff to ensure that we're operating properly um, and with uh, what within our contractual agreements with the Wash U. Um, so they, 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 we, they, we, we usually have communication through his office and that's really just a streamlined thing. So there's organization. So he's not putting out something and we're putting out something and it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to put out two of the same thing, you know, so we like to go through Jim White's office for most of our communication. Um, how do we integrate with the T with SLMPD? That's been kind of the model of, of how TCF's operated for a long time. We have we we employ a lot of policemen. Uh, I my company employs over 300 policemen in the city of St. Louis, um, and um, so we we're one of the largest providers, if not the largest providers of police officers in St. Louis. And so we work very closely. And we have officers of all ranks um, um, working for us, and so we have a lot of uh, integration within the police department. And um, again, we we. If the police department asked us for assistance, um, you know that they've they've asked us for assistance all the time with details. Uh, if they need assistance with a, a special event within the neighborhood or in other areas of the city or whatnot, uh, we always step up and 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 if the, you know we if they go through the taxing districts or whatnot, we work with them on that. Um, our officers, you know, not so much in the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood because um, the 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 focus of how we patrol in the neighborhood has changed a bit, um, and I can explain that in a second, but primarily in the central West End, and, and Jim may comment back on this or not. Um, we, Jim White's office will put out information a lot and we use him again as because he, like Jim had stated, he has a lot of uh, different sources. He mines data from as well. And he gets a lot of feedback from residents and whatnot and uh, from different sources. And he kind of organizes that data along with the video, which is extremely important. Um, and that video evidence, and he'll send us pictures or put it out to our officers saying, hey, you know, this, this person just committed this crime or look for this vehicle. And very often we, we are the ones that find that because uh, we're out in the streets or Jim, Jim's office may see them rolling around for some reason when he's out doing his, his, his duties. And we, we will typically help him assist with stopping those per person, the suspects. So we work closely with the SLMPD and Jim White's office. It's kind of a very close, intricate uh, operation. You know, it's, it's, it works really well. Um, and, uh, and, um, 
I like, I always enjoy seeing when, when a crime is solved and you see all, into all the entities working together. It's, it's really, that's the way it should be. Um, what can, uh, oh, and then you said one other question was how um, is TCF dispatched? I, I just had it happen today. And I've been, I've said this since 2007. I don't like the, the word dispatch. I don't like having uh, my officers being dis called by the residents and responding to do things. Um, because what happens is we're asking, you're asking the, the public, the general public to decide what's an, an emergency and what's not. Um, and that is proven problematic, uh, for numerous years. Uh, it, I've seen, have, it happened today. I had a individual, I was actually in Jim's office, uh, in a different meeting and, uh, a resident called my, my, my cell phone through our, we have an 800 number. They called our cell phone. Uh, and my, my, my hotline number and they, they were reporting that their, their phone had just been stolen and he was pinging it and it was at this location. And, and I had to stop him in the process and, you know, be very stern and like, listen, you need to call 911 right now. 911 should be your only number or the non-emergency line. It actually goes to the same place. Um, but uh, so I always tell people just dial 911. And if you have a, a you know, that keeps it simple. Um, and, and the police department will respond and determine that's why they have what they call evaluators to determine who to, is this an emergency? Is it not emergency? How to, who, who should the call go to? I, and I always tell people, you know, if you want to call us after you call 911, that's fine. Like do that, feel free, but make sure you dial 911 first. If there's a, if you have a crime in progress or something that you feel a police officer is needed for, um, Regarding reports too, I sorry I forgot about this. TCF also prepares uh, crime data that we provide. We have a whole analysis uh, unit in my company that that analyzes data for special requests or if we have a larceny outbreak. Jim's office may ask us to put together some data or look at this this uh, subset of crimes or whatnot or this time frame or this area, and, and we will put together reports for Jim's office or for my use or for clients uh, to determine, uh, you know, to kind of analyze crime. And it's, it's, uh, we use that all the time. Uh, you know, some of the data, we, we prepare a report every month uh, in conjunction with the NSI that, that um, you know, goes over the crime data for the, for the, for the year and whatnot. And, and if you guys want me to, I can go over the crime data for your area uh, when, after this, I answer all these questions. Um, but but um, what can residents do to help with crime and safety? Um, Jim really had a really good PowerPoint there with his information and I actually took a screenshot of it because I thought he, he laid it out pretty well or really well, actually. Um, you know, the, the, the one thing I, I like is, is basically inv investing in home security products. Cameras have been the single most greatest, in my opinion, um, um, addition to our, our ability to be proactive and, and, and stop crime. You know, you, you, in the Central West End and even Forest Park Southeast, uh, in the Grove area, you know, they have, you know, the Grove is lots of patrons from out of, out of the residence, a residential area, cars get broken into. It's just the nature of the bars and, and, the, and the entertainment district. It's just what happens there. Um, and, and you may have one car that comes into your district and they break into 15 cars in one night. And it, it, it's really hard to stop. Um, and, and that same car may come tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day or next week. 
Jim uses that camera footage from the, the cameras and uh, when residents call in and give him camera information like he showed in an example uh, from the Nest camera or whatever, Ring camera, whatever camera it was, that type of involvement from the residents is really important. Uh, Jim's cameras in, the, in your area, in your neighborhood are along Manchester, um, and, but he also has cameras to the north of here and, and into the central west end on major thoroughfares. So a car that, that maybe breaks into a, you know, something commits a robbery down here or, or does a shooting, God forbid, uh, you know, down here, something major happens. We may not, Jim's office may not capture it on a camera here. He may not even know when to look uh, when this happened. But if one of the residents gives us some information that, hey, we saw this suspicious person in this area around this time frame on this date, Jim can, that gives Jim a, a tighter, Jim's office a tighter range to investigate. And that, and the, re, and the residents, you know, involvement, you know, from calls to, to camera footage, that's what helps us solve crimes the most, honestly. And, and that, 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 so community involvement is, is extremely important. And, and uh, you know, you just remember the police department, they do a great job, but they are extremely strapped on officers. They only, you know, they're down, I think the mayor published uh, 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 something the other uh, today, I think, on the news that they, I mean, the, the, the city, the officers are down 130 or 160 officers, almost 200 officers, whatever the number was. And that's just the numbers that are officers that are gone off the staffing. That doesn't include the ones that are injured out from the COVID incidents, um, you know, on and on and on. There's a lot of officers on administrative duty that aren't included in those numbers. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, you're probably well in excess of 200 officers short in the city alone. And um, so the strain on the city is, is difficult. So anything that Jim's office and we can do through committee involvement to make uh, our jobs easier, you know, is, is much appreciated. So that then that public is usually that, that source. Um, so that's kind of, I hope I answered those questions for you uh, sufficiently. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we do have, uh, I guess, Tom, you had your, your hand raised. Let me get to you first. Um, do you have a question? Yep. Oh, nope. Okay, never mind. Uh, yeah, does anybody else have a question? Oh, Michael Browning just came in. Sorry if this has already been asked, but where do the city's finest officers come from? I think Michael just got in a couple minutes ago, so. Sure. Uh, where, where do we come from? Is that the question? Yes. Is that Michael? Can you clarify? Is that you know what police force or yes? What agencies? So we pr we primarily uh, use uh, St. Louis City officers. We do uh, we are authorized to use other jurisdictions, but we prim primarily use uh, St. Louis City police officers. Does that answer your question, Michael? Um, yeah. Can, can you, sorry, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just a little confused if if the St. Louis City Police Department is is strapped, uh, and, and you guys are also St. Louis City police officers. I'm a little confused. Like, it just seems like it's uh, it's like cannibalistic almost like you're 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 just pulling officers from the same strapped force that 
Uh, is it has does it have to do with overtime or like what's the I, I'm just a little confused how this and works. Is it similar to like medical residents where there are like moonlighting requirements to make sure that the officers are getting enough sleep because sleep deprivation is kind of a huge can play a large role in terms of mistakes being made and things like that. Do you have requirements that they need to kind of adhere to um, in addition to the roles that they have on the police force? Okay, so let me answer the first question. So to, to uh, uh, your name is Michael, I believe, I'm sorry. Uh, Michael and Sarah. <laughs> okay, Michael and Sarah, okay. Uh, yes, okay, Michael, um, answer your first question. Um, the, yes, so the police department is down officers. However, the, the police department, like, uh, like Officer Slade's pointed out earlier today, they'll direct resources to the downtown area. Um, now that officer that's off of work may not be assigned to the downtown area. So, this, so even though the police are short on officers, a, a lot of the officers will uh, still want to work overtime or work um, or moonlight, like like uh, Sarah you just said. Um, so, so, so that's basically what secondary policing police officers are. They're 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 moonlighting. They're working out after hours in, in approved what we call approved secondary positions. So yes, the city is strapped on officers, but the department may not have a slot for them in an area where they want to put officers. So, um, but obviously other neighborhoods like Forest Park Southeast and, and Central West End, and there's, there's, there's a lot of neighborhoods like the Bolivar neighborhood as well, the Grove, they, they want, they're paying for extra police services. They would like to have extra police if available. So we, we will use uh, city police officers um, for those. And, and we, we, because of the shortage of officers and, and the tight staffing demand now, especially for police officers, we, that's why we've incorporated the ability and authorization and contracts to employ officers outside of the city if necessary. Um, and we vet them well and, and we wanna make sure, because there's some disadvantages to using officers outside of the city. Um, I won't get into that now, but there are disadvantages and there's advantages as well. Um, but, but there are disadvantages that we try to stay away from just because of communications primarily. Um, and and um, um, so, so that, I hope that answers your question on that. Sarah, Sarah to, answer, to answer your question about the regulations, so the police department does have regulations. And even before they did these regulations, T, when TCF was founded in 2007, um, I understood that the, the impact of working an eight hour shift and then going into secondary and maybe working another eight hours. An officer that works 16 hours in a day, just like in any field, is not going to be very productive. So TCF designed a model where we 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 um, deploy officers for only four hours, of typically a four-hour shift, um, and so our shifts are are four hours duration. That's pretty much become the standard for most secondary providers throughout the region uh, because they they basically follow the same suit because it, it, it basically limited the officer's ability to work longer than what we thought was acceptable. The police department then adopted policies to, to prevent officers from working more than, I think it's 12 hours or maybe even 16 hours in a day. Um, I think they allow them to work up to 16. I could be wrong, but it's, there's, a, there's a limitation on what they can. And they also can only work so many hours in any given week. So the police department over the years has, has um, 
has taken um, you know the lead also in restricting the number of officers, and they actually have to track that with the police department. Uh, so they have to keep track, and I actually get requests from the police department on a very uh, frequent basis uh, to submit um, data that that shows that, you know the hours the officers are working and who's working what, and they're they're what they're doing is they're comparing that information I give them to the information that the officers enter on the police department databases to ensure that they're in compliance with the rules and regulations by the police department. I hope that answers your guys' questions. Yes, uh, that answered my question. Answer my question, thank you. You're welcome, sir and ma'am. Okay, um, quick question for you, Rob. As far as, um, you mentioned that you do have reports um, every day or evening when the officers are, are on patrol is again, is that shared publicly? You know, basically the question is, is there every, is everything that uh, all the information that would be available uh, were you a public entity? Is that, is that available? No, we don't, or there... we don't, we do not share that information publicly. And there's some of that's due to, to the information we gather could be confidential uh, it's, it's, you know, again, they're, 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 they're things that we just will not release. Uh, some of that's, you know, we have, we have lots of different data that we cut, we gather, uh, and we just don't release it to the general public. It's mainly for, uh, you know, managing our officers. And so, um, you know, you know, we're a private, we're a private entity. We're not a public entity. Uh, so we're, we're not going to, we're not going to uh, release information unless it's, you know, if it's pertinent and, and helpful to the community, then we vet that through the, the NSI and the NSI will then make that determination if it should be released and how it should be released. And again, we, we don't, we're not hiding anything. It's just, it's just more of a privacy thing. And, um, and, um, the data that we're, that we're, that we're using, we share it with the SBDs that we work for the, the, you know, so our customers. So if you're a customer of ours, we share that data with you. Um, um, if you're not a customer of ours, we're not going to just release it to the general public. So, okay. So it's, it's a different standard than if, if you were a Louis, Missouri, you know, police department, public entity. Yes, sir. And, and, and again, it's not to hide anything. It's, it's, we, we, we are, we gathered, you know, we, again, if a major incident happens, we want to communicate that to the general public to help them. So we want to, our, our goal is to reduce crime. So again, if, if an officer reports a suspicious vehicle or something, a major incident, we notify our customer uh, who, who in this turn is WashU and, 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 and we do that through the NSI because the NSI is our contact point. Uh, for these contracts in the Central West End and, and the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood, and they vet the information and 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 uh, get it to the to the our clients in a, in a in a in an organized manner. Because sometimes, again, an incident happens. Like Jim said, we don't in law enforcement. We typically don't put out information um, immediately, and and we're in a day and age where people want information now, and you can see. I think in recent time, how that has caused so many issues uh, that, you know, before we have all the answers, we don't like to put out the information because it's not always accurate. And, and so sometimes, you know, if a shooting occurs and, you know, we're getting, you know, when I was a homicide investigator, we didn't talk to anybody and we didn't, you know, we just gathered information and we, we, until we had a solid information, we didn't release it to the public. 
And there's there's a lot of reasons for that because you can you know, when it comes to criminal investigations or law enforcement work, we we don't want to uh, you know discredit the the the, the investigation or cause problems in the investigation. Are there any other questions? Okay. Well, Rob, I, I appreciate you coming by um, again and sharing just, just as the other organizations did. Hopefully it brings clarity to some of the questions that we, uh, that the, the community had. Uh, yeah. Anything yeah. else you wanted to say? Well, yeah, sure. And I'll just, and I, I don't know if you guys get this information, but I'll just kind of go over it real quick for you. And I, I'm sorry, I can't, um, well, if you want, you can, I don't know how to share the screen, but if you want to see my screen, you can, I don't know, but what, a, if you don't want to, um, so basically what I, what I, this is, a, I'm, I'm on my screen. I have a, a graph that basically lists the crime out for the year for the forest park Southeast neighborhood. And, and that, that information we give to our, again, our, our clients and what we're doing with that is that's just to say, and that the same information is, is, is relayed through Washington university's, uh, portal. So they, they have a portal that they put out. And I think you guys have access to that. And so I think you guys all know about that portal. And it's the same information. Uh, it's, it's gathered from the same data. We just okay. put it in a different, different, different manner. But what the one thing I want to point out is, is right now, so your, your crime is, is about on par for the year for, as what it was last year. It's, high, it's higher in some, in some aspects and some things like person crimes and the small little, and, and it, it's, it's very, very small amounts. Um, but your crime in, in forest parks at least has historically been going down for the last 15 years to, to very low levels. Uh, and so, and, and so that's a good thing. Um, over the, over this past year, we've had, there has been a lot of larceny incidents and incidents in, in the entertainment district and surrounding areas. And that's, you know, that's the, it's the nature. And we kind of warned of that prior to this last year and, the, and this year that the numbers are going to go up because they were so extremely low before that that we were expecting crime to increase slightly. Um, and so we saw increases in the crime. Some of the things that we've noticed now, and we kind of predicted this when the, when the COVID stuff happened, um, crime, the larceny incidents, the crime went way down in your, in your district. The larceny incidents in the, in the city as a whole went way down uh, in certain entertainment districts because that, the, the, the opportunity for people to break into cars and whatnot was gone. Uh, and, and because the people weren't there, the robberies went down. And now as the stuff's starting to open back up, you're seeing your, you know, those type of crimes increase again. Uh, and, and so we kind of knew that was going to happen, the trend, but um, that's how we kind of use the data and say, okay, during the COVID, we started noticing, we expected the crime to go down. We can conserve funds during this time, not necessarily put out as many patrols. And then, and then as the crime, as we predict the crime or believe the crime is going to increase, we then use that money responsibly to, to put out patrols to help protect your neighborhood from those types of incidents. So, so we use the crime data for all types of things. Uh, and, um, um, you know, it, it can be very useful at times. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you again very much. Thank you for everyone else who, who stopped by and gave us a good overview of the different organizations. Um, just a quick note before we end this evening, again, we have nominations for the board next month. If you or someone you know are interested, please join um, the meeting next month and your self-nomination. The only thing that uh, is necessary is uh, you pay 
dues, which is a suggested donation of $10, but it's whatever you can, you can afford. So um, if there is nothing else, we'll end it there. Thanks again to everyone who came by and we'll see everyone next month. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Tom.